what is up what is up everybody it is nice to see you if you're new here with us i just want to say welcome we're so excited to have you today um i absolutely love being able to preach the word of god i i really do um and I think it's it's a lot of things, right? Obviously, the, the joy that comes from being able to be moved by the Lord, to be able to give you a, a word that I think is relevant and helpful for your heart to help you move forward. But I also love storytelling. I love what storytelling allows us to do and the magic. It, it, it It's moving, right? Like stories are, are like the cusp of everything. It's the cusp of our motivation. Uh, it, it's what allows us the, the, to see the inner workings of, you know, these deep, intentional uh, uh really complicated issues and so i absolutely love it and so i'm excited today we're going to continue on to our series in luke uh, and that is luke 6 1 through 11 we've been in the book of luke for a while and we'll continue to be until the completion of so unless the lord says something different and so uh as we journey into luke today um uh, we're going to break down scripture by scripture and just really try to figure out what it is the Lord is speaking. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Daylight or Pastor Daylight, whatever you want to call me, really. I don't care. Um, <laughs> on, the, on the interwebs, I'm known as Daylight, uh, spelled really oddly. You might not even understand how to say it unless I said it. And so uh, that's me. Uh, I am one of the uh, lead team pastors here at God Squad Church. And so I'm just excited to be with you um, for you allowing you. you really giving me the opportunity as a platform to be able to speak into your life means the world to me. And so I appreciate you being here. But all right, I I have a question for everybody. Have you ever played a game? All right, whether it be a video game, a board game, you know, it might be tag outside. And you ever played with someone that they just kind of want to dictate how everything goes. And not necessarily because they're bossy, but because like they want it done the way it's supposed to be done. Right? I'm talking about the people that really, they'll take the fun out of the game in order to make sure that you're following the rules exactly. And I'm sure every single one of us has a story of someone in your life that does that. And honestly, you know, clip it, but kids are the worst. <laughs> kids are the worst, dude. They are the worst at this. And because their law or their, their rules, it changes depending on what they what they feel like doing it's like like my daughter oakland i'm gonna show you a picture of my sweet little girl all right this is my sweet little girl and when i say sweet i don't know if i can actually like oh we're going crazy right now uh, uh, okay we're, we're back are we back all right dope dope digital problems this is my sweet little girl oakland right absolute sweetheart little redhead mayhem you know what i mean just absolutely amazing okay that's sweet little Oakland. No, that is chaotic chaos. The, sometimes I wonder if she's my enemy, Oakland, okay? I mean, this little girl, I'll be playing guess who with her, and it'll switch 15 times. No, Dad, I didn't ask that question. I asked this question. No, Dad, you're not allowed to say. Girl, who is your father? Who is your father? All right, that's me asking her. What is going on? Kids are the worst when it comes to rules, man. She just makes up rules on the fly. I mean, we could be playing tag. She's like, no, 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 you can't hit me. You can't tag me now. Not right, not right in this second. I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? I was like, well, play, you just tagged me. I, I can tag you back. No, 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 you got to give me a break. What? I'm in safe. I was like, what? when was there a defined safe? What? You're not safe, kid. You're not safe at all. 
And you guys understand, like, you've been there before. You've been on the playground. You've been around little kids. You've been, you've been in places where the rules might even change. But even so, like, that there's these people, man, there's just these people in life that see the rules as, like, the end-all, be-all. They're the things that, like, they need to make sure that they're, like, staying right on top of. You know, I was playing World of Warcraft a while ago when uh, Burning Crusade released, and we had this guy, and I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, so we'll just call him Tank, all right? His name will just be Tank. And this guy had been playing World of Warcraft for years and years and years, and he had a very certain way he liked to do raids, all right? A very certain way. And it had to be done that way or it wasn't okay. I mean, he was the guy that would message people if he saw that there wasn't, <laughs> they didn't bring the right flasks or they didn't have the right gear or they weren't gemmed correctly. Like, he was that guy, all right? And playing World of Warcraft with that guy felt like playing Guess Who with my daughter. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, like, chill out, bro. <laughs> like, like we're, we're okay. It's going to be all right. But he's like, but it's not how it's supposed to be done. And I was like, you know what? There might be an other way to do this. There might be other ways we can we can still complete this without doing it your way. And people like that tend to take the love out of what we're doing. They tend to smother the good inside of anything that we're doing. I have a friend named Ed. And this is the last story before we jump into Luke. I have a friend named Ed, and I love Ed to death. The dude is a, a genius. He's an awesome, awesome man of God. But Ed is very technical. And I play board games with Ed sometimes, and I have for years and years since I was a kid. And Ed is like a what we call a rules lawyer, all right? Everything has to be done by the book. It has to. It's just that, that simple. Ed goes far so far, and his love for board games is, is so sincere that he keeps track of every single one of the games he plays, the wins, the losses, and like, like the stats of the game, all right? I mean, we're talking about a hardcore board game avid man, all right? That's what I'm just saying. This, this guy's in on it, all right? And what Ed will do is if maybe we're playing a new game and we might have like missed something in the rules and say like I won that game, all right? Say like, you know, I, tend, I just won. He'll put an asterisk next to your name in his stat sheets on his phone. As in the asterisk meaning that you won, but not really. You know, it was it wasn't actually to the rules. So you like you won, but, but eh, there's there's a little something some shady. You know, ah, you kind of won. And it's it's people like like Ed that put asterisks next to your name, right? You might have someone in your life, a boss, a friend, a family member, who put asterisks next to everything you do because it wasn't accomplished the way they wanted it to be accomplished because you didn't live up to what they wanted you to live up to. And as much as I love, you know, whether it be Tank from World of Warcraft, whether it be my daughter Oakland, while we're playing Guess Who?, or my friend Ed, the Asterix Master, um, there's a common theme throughout holding people to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. And Jesus often exploits this fatal error 
throughout the gospel, the gospels as a whole, but specifically we see it in Luke quite a bit. And so let's dive into Luke six. I love to read through the scripture verse so you can see it as a whole first, and then we'll continue on. On a Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. This is from the CSB version, by the way. On a Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is law- not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. He even gave some to those who were with him. Then he told them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 6, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and told the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand here. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he told them, stretch out your hand. And the man did. And his hand was restored. They, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. All right. There's a lot of info in there. There's a lot. I know we're going through 11 verses today. It's going to be a a headful. All right. Not a handful, a headful. And so (laughs) this is a crazy situation Jesus is in. He walks into the synagogue and he, he already knows he's being persecuted like by the people that are in the synagogue. And so you're like, why are you even there? Jesus, just why don't you just do it somewhere else? Like Jesus had a plan. He knew what was going on. He walks into the synagogue. He sees someone that needs to be healed, but it's the Sabbath. And the letter of the law would say, hey, you don't do that. Don't do that. And he's like, yo, I I see that you say, like, don't do that. But, man, the dude needs to be healed. Like, this guy needs freedom. I'm I'm not going to stop a guy from freedom. I don't care if it's Sabbath or not. Even though the, 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 I can just, every time I see the Pharisees, I just think of these guys standing in a corner huddle going, You know what I mean? Like these like really, really like, like just demeaning, looking down, um, looking down on their nose at you. It's just like this terrible feeling. And I can just see these guys like overlooking Jesus and Jesus is like, man, I know what you're thinking. Like, I get it. I, I understand where you're coming from, but he's like, wait, what about these circumstances? Like, like you can't be serious because these are human beings and they need my help. You should care more about that than like this, 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 this frivolous law. Because the law wasn't meant for that. That's not, that wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose of the Sabbath was so that you could get rest. It was so that you could have a a, a restored, energized self for the week to come. It wasn't so people couldn't get healed. 
And the laws that the, the, the Pharisees came up with were actually outside of the Bible a lot of times. They like stapled things alongside of what the Bible said because they didn't understand the spirit of the law. They just read it as the rules of the law. And so they were putting asterisks on everything. I mean, they were the asterisk masters. So in verse 1 through 2, on the Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. Everybody like, why are these guys rubbing grain? Like, what's going on here? What, what are these dudes doing? They were separating. So like they were separating um, the grain from the chaff. So I, I, I don't know like the exact agricultural, but look, it was in a pod and they had to get it out so they could eat it. All right. That's why they were doing it. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on Sabbath? And this is really interesting. And so like your first thing would think is like, oh, they're stealing. They're walking through people's fields and like they're stealing stuff. And that's why the Pharisees are saying that, duh, like that makes sense. They shouldn't be stealing. But that's not true. In, in Deuteronomy 23, 25, it actually, it, there's this principle called the principle of gleaning for those that were like, it was a provision for those that were poor. Uh, it was like for those that couldn't get their own grain, like, like that they still need to eat, right? And that was the provision made in Deuteronomy 23. So that's not what the, the Pharisees were mad at. They weren't mad these guys were in the fields taking grain. The real problem was, is why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? They were talking about this elaborate list of do's and don'ts, items relevant to the Sabbath. And this violated one of the items on the list. See, when the, when the disciples did what they did in the eyes of the religious leaders, they were guilty of reaping threshing, winnowing, and preparing food. There were, there were therefore four violations of the Sabbath in one mouthful, meaning they were harvesting grain. They were then preparing it so that they could eat it. Like, and so the, the Pharisees are sitting there like, hmm, hungry? Don't care. Oh, you need, check. Like they were marking against them everything they were doing on, in that moment, but they had to eat. And this is really interesting because you can also still see this today, uh, specifically within the Orthodox Jewish community, and nothing bad about the, the Orthodox Jewish community or anything like that, but this is a specific instance that can kind of help you have a better understanding of this uh, type of thing happening even in today's day and age. And so in 1992, which was actually a pretty long time ago at this point, we're talking about almost 31 years ago now, um, the practice of the Sabbath and holding it to a very uh, religious standard, uh, a, st a standard of liturgic, uh, not liturgical, dogmatic ways, meaning like that above all else, is still present today. In early 1992, tenants let three apartments in an Orthodox neighborhood in Israel burn to the ground while they asked a rabbi whether a telephone call to the fire department on the Sabbath would violate Jewish law. Observant Jews are forbidden to use the phone on the Sabbath because doing so would break an electrical current, which is considered a form of work. In the half hour it took for the rabbi to decide yes, the fire spread to two more neighboring apartments. And so you can understand, like, in the context of this situation, right, like, there is chaos happening. People are actually, like, like suffering. Because they're trying to stay so hardcore to the law. And there has to be a place where we have the ability to step in and realize something isn't okay. 
right? It's like this idea of, you know, I was constantly given this conundrum and this is going to sound crazy, but it's like, if you were part of, you know, World War II Germany and you had um, Jews living in, like hiding in your home and the Nazi and the Nazis came to your door and they asked you, are you harboring Jews? Well, if I said no, I'm lying, right? Like that's the idea. Like I'm, I'm actually lying, which is against one of the commandments. But that's not the spirit of the commandment. That's not the point isn't that specific instance. The point is it's not good to lie overall, right? To deceive people. But I'm telling you, if someone came to my house and they were looking to, 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 to kill someone, I'm, I'm protecting them. I can promise you right now, and you could, you could clip this and say, you know, my, my pastor's a liar because I am lying 100%, bro. I'd be like, never, I don't, I, I've never seen a Jew. I don't know about Jews. I don't even know where, where are the Jews at? I, I would, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. 100% you could catch me because the spirit of the law are the, 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 the law is, is not meant to hurt people. That's not the point. And so as we're reading into the Bible, that's what Jesus is constantly doing is he's making these addendums to people following the law and sacrificing humans along the way. Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? The problem was with the day. Like, this person couldn't get healed. They couldn't eat. Like, that's crazy. It doesn't make sense. During that time that Jesus was walking, Judaism was filled with these elaborate rules that were even extra biblical. And ancient rabbis taught that on the Sabbath, one was even forbidden to tie a knot. So if a bucket had water and had to be raised from the well, one couldn't tie a rope to the bucket. And so people would almost try to curve these things by doing weird things, right? So someone would bring a hook to the bucket so that they could lower it rather than tie a knot. It just gets silly at some point where you're missing the point. You're, you're missing the idea of why God placed these things in order, why they matter. And so don't take it from me. Like right, those are some examples I've given you from today, but like Jesus actually responds himself here. And he says in verse three, he said, he answered them, haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? They entered the house of God and took and ate bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. He even gave some of those who were with him. Then he told them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And he says this in kind of like a funny way. Jesus kind of like, have you not even read this? Like, what? have you not, like, you're supposed to know everything. And like the, 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 the Old Testament is like what you should be standing on, right? And, and this was a not so subtle rebuke of the religious leaders who were confident in their knowledge of the scriptures. And this had the effect of Jesus questioning them 
on whether they've ever even read the story or understood the Bible at all. He implied that they were ignorant to the essential part of the following Old Testament event. It's like, yo, get your knowledge up, kid. He looking at him like, yo, you got to get your knowledge up, man. Barclay puts it like this, and I love this quote because it, it, this sums up what I'm really trying to say. Is it, it is possible to read scripture meticulously, to know the Bible inside and out from cover to cover, to be able to quote it verbatim, and to pass any examination on it, and yet completely miss its real meaning. There is a Pharisee that often lives in our heart. And I see this as Christians become more mature in their faith. Mature, I'm going to put that in quotes. <laughs> They've spent more time doing the Christian thing. They miss it, man. They miss it. Because they start to allow these rules to govern their heart. Rather than the spirit of the rule. And rather than allowing their heart to grow closer to the heart of God, they allow their heart to grow closer to rules and laws and things that allow them to move through life where they feel righteous. What David did when he was hungry, the reference to David's use of the holy bread, this is the show bread or the bread of the presence. It's like, and so you might not know exactly what that means. So let me break that down quick. The bread of the presence was the bread that was out for the priest. It was an offering type bread, like a bread that would be um, not sacrifice. That's not a good way to put it, but a, a bread that would be like offered to the Lord is the best way to say. And so it was the show bread is another name for it. Uh, in 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6, it showed the first principle, though. And David showed this already. This was already something the Pharisees should have known. But they missed the point. And this entire thing was that human need is more important than religious ritual. That human need is more important than religious ritual. That's what that entire story is about. They did something they weren't supposed to do. But it was because the human need of such thing was greater, right? Stealing is bad. But in Deuteronomy, where you have the, the principle and allowed people to, basically, you were supposed to leave some crops behind for the poor. And so even though technically that would have been stealing, it's, it's a provision because human need matters more than religious ritual. This is exactly what many people steeped in tradition simply cannot accept. They can't. They have such a hard time getting their minds over the fact of like, man, I've lived by this statute, this, this pillar in the ground my whole life. And they sacrifice people on the altar of their inability to move. They sacrifice people on the altar of their inability to move. And be moved by mercy. They don't believe that what God really wants is mercy before sacrifice. People steeped in tradition, they don't believe that love to others is more important than religious rituals. 
They don't believe that the sacrifices of God are broken, are a broken spirit, are a broken and a contrite heart. And those are all backed by scripture. They don't believe that God really wants us. He wants mercy before sacrifice. You can see that in Hosea 6.6. They don't believe that love to others is more important than religious rituals. You can see that in Isaiah 58.1-9. They don't believe that sacrifice of God, of a broken spirit, and a broken, a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You can find that in Psalm 51.17. Any application of the Sabbath law which operates to the detriment of man is out of harmony with God's purpose. Any application of the Sabbath law, anytime you are rules lawyering, anytime you are squench or, 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 or squenching humanity, and provision, and grace, and mercy is out of the harmony with God's purpose. The incident with David is a valid defense because it covers everything that was happening here for Jesus. It was a case of eating. Jesus' disciples with the grains, David's men with the bread. It probably happened on the Sabbath, which would make sense in 1 Samuel 21.6. It concerned not only David, but also his followers. So it wasn't just Jesus, it was the people following along too. Jesus perfectly replicates a situation that he was in and calls back to a time where he can prove it and then shows himself to be the new David. Jesus is a mastermind. He understands everything. He understood the inner workings. He understood exactly what he was doing. And then he says this, the son of man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. See, the second principle was even more dramatic. Jesus said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Lord of the Sabbath was not offended by his disciples' actions. And then these religious leaders should not have been offended. Jesus dropped the mic on them. He said, guess what? <laughs> In the Chronicles of Narnia way, like Aslan I was there when it was written. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and I'm not offended by these. Why are you? Like, this isn't even your home. Like, I'm fine with them having their shoes on. It's not even your house. What do you care? This is my house. I love Jesus, man. I love Jesus is the top G, okay? The real top G. This was a direct claim to deity. Jesus said that he had the authority to know if his disciples broke the Sabbath law because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He set the rules. I'm the one who decided. Sorry, that's the ultimate G move. It's just true. It's just, it's just facts. In verse 6, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and told them, the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand over here. So he got up and stood there. See, he entered the synagogue. Jesus was a G. It's just that simple. He walked in. He did not care that the resistance was there. He knew he, that the, the, 
overwhelming religious leaders were were summing against him plotting to kill like he did not care he was coming in either way and yet he has still attended the the services and did not forsake the gathering of god's people which is super important and this is a side note for everybody there if you're offended by someone at church and you're not showing up because of it if you have a qualm with your brother because and so you're scared to like face it jesus is speaking to you it's just true if you're avoiding gathering together with people because of something against you, then you're in the wrong. It's it's just that simple. Like, come on. Get good. You know what I mean? Get good, kid. Get good, kid. The scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath. By their very actions, the Pharisees admitted that Jesus had the power of God to work miracles. Yet they sought to trap him. It was as if a man could fly and the authorities arrested him for not landing at the right airport. Like, they understood that there was something miraculous happening and he was obviously moved by God, but they didn't care. Because in their hearts, they were enslaved to the law rather than enslaved to God. Their hearts were captivated by their ability rather than God's ability. And in them, that made them murderous. That made them jealous. That made them fear. That made them uncomfortable because they were far away from the presence of God. And they were captivated by the idolatry, the idol of the law. They allowed the law to become their God and God to be distant. Because God was in their midst, just they, they wanted to get rid of him. The religious leaders watched Jesus closely, but with no heart of love for him. We can watch Jesus do mighty and powerful things in the lives around us, but still be far, far from allowing him to have our heart. It may even be that they purposely set Jesus up by bringing in the man to the synagogue. That's what Pate inserts this idea of. Perhaps they had a greater expectation that Jesus would do with such a miracle than the followers of Jesus had. A lot of people doubted Jesus. And it seemed though the Pharisees understood he could do what he said he could do. And they were just looking to set him up. How many times are we trying to set up Jesus in our own hearts? Lord, if you just let me win this Apex game, man, I'm going to be. Lord, if you just let me allow like five kills, like. Lord, if you just allow this girl to realize how great I am. Stop trying to set Jesus up. Instead, draw closer to him and let the outflow of that be your victory. In verses 9, then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil or to life or to, or to save life or destroy it? After looking around them, he told them, stretch out your hand. He did and his hand was restored. They, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Is 
it is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it. In his question to the religious leaders, Jesus emphasized the truth about the Sabbath. That there's never, never a wrong day to do something truly good. And this happens to Jesus a lot, this idea of like him doing things out of place or out of turn. And it's always for the good of people. It's always for the good of others. In the legalistic approach taken by the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they clearly neglected the act of compassion and the love for the needy. Morgan puts it this way. He says, surely there's no desecration of divine ordinances so powerful as that which clogs the stream of compassion. What he's saying is there's no other like egregious thing you could possibly do than clog the idea to hinder someone from receiving compassion. And Jesus makes this notable through each and every one of these teachings. The modern Christian has the challenge of displaying love and compassion to all and faithfully upholding God's clearly stated moral matters, standards on matters of social controversy. Like, it's our duty as Christians. It's our duty to extend compassion. And in our own hearts, and in the hearts of the people around us, to build up the idea that people matter more. People matter. And no law you put in place replaces people. When Jesus commanded the man to stretch out his hand, he commanded the man to do something impossible in his current condition. But Jesus gave both the command and the ability to fulfill it. And the man put forth the effort and was healed. Faith shown up again. Where like, I don't know about you, but if I couldn't walk and someone told me to try to get up and walk, I'd be doubting. This man's faith was obvious that he believed the Lord could do what he said he could do. And the Lord was faithful. They were filled with rage. As we continue on, you see the Pharisees filled with, with rage. The reaction of the religious leaders was shocking. But it was true. That Jesus did this miracle on this Sabbath. He met the needs of simple people and broke the petty religious tradition of establishment. Obviously, their rage and plotting of murder discussed with one another was probably a little worse, right? Their murderous trying to plot to kill Jesus was probably a little worse on the Sabbath than Jesus healing someone that was in great need than was providing for his disciples who needed food. The asterisks, right? The letter of the law. There is a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Jesus often rebuked the religious leaders of his day for this kind of heart. He said this in Mark 7, 8 through 9, and then 7, 13. 
He said of them, laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. They kill it, man. They kill the spirit. They kill the purpose. They kill the heart of God because they want to upkeep their own idol. Jesus wasn't trying to reform the Sabbath. He tried to show that in their understanding of the Sabbath, they had missed the whole point. Jesus was always for what he said he was for. This did not change. It's the fact that people took control of what God meant for good and turned it to evil. As often we do as humans, when we get a hold of something, when we have control over it, guess what we do? The same old thing that we've done throughout history. We take good things and create evil. We like toss it into the, like, like toss it into the, the, the frivolous contrite lives we live. And we, we, we miss the point. We manipulate it and we mutate it into something it's not. We all know those people that put asterisks on our lives. And the truth is, and you can look me like dead in the eyes. Yes, you do have an asterisk. Just like my friend Ed with the asterisks on the games we didn't quite win, you know. You have an asterisk on your life. And guess what? It disqualifies you. It does. You can't win. But God. Even though you have that asterisk on your life and you did not win, and yet you cannot win in, your, in and of yourself, God says, guess what? I'm the, I'm the eraser of the asterisks. Like that asterisk doesn't matter when you get here. It's like the same way with that the leper, right? Like everybody's staying away from you. That leprosy defines you, but not around me. I don't care. I'm going to touch you because it doesn't matter. I am the eraser of those things. The asterisk, your past, that disqualifies you from being in a relationship with God. I am that asterisk eraser. I can rebuild that bridge between you and God. You can't do it on your own. Only through me. Can you possibly have this relationship? He is that bridge. He is the one that makes up all of the mess. All of the past crazy. All of the sin you've walked through. He is the correction. He is truly the answer of the one plus one. And his math doesn't make sense. Because to other people, you might be new to faith. And to other people, you're still that person with that asterisk next to their name. And you just feel like you can't shake it. Or you might be here and you might have never, ever accepted God in your own heart. Becoming a Christian's easy. 
It's walking out the Christian life that's not. Because becoming a Christian is just saying, Lord, I'm going to follow after you for the rest of my life. And would you forgive me of my past life, the way I lived? Would you come and erase my asterisks? That's all it is. Continuing on that journey is hard. And you might be here and you might have never asked Jesus into your heart. You might have never, because you feel defined by that asterisk. You feel like you've never really won anyway. You feel like you've just cheated along the way. That you've always lost. You feel like a loser. But man, I have some great news. I really do. God doesn't care. He truly erases it all. He just desires your heart. He desires your future. And he can take you on a journey and a life that you could not imagine. It can change everything. That's the Lord I've served for a very long time. And I'm telling you, not only from biblical evidence, and I'm telling you from my own anecdotal evidence of walking this life, there is no better way to live than following after someone who already has it figured out. And that's God. You need him. You do. And you can have him. He's there. For all the Christians here, all the people that call themselves Christians, the challenge here is to not let the asterisks allow you to be held back from drawing closer to Jesus. It's also to learn and understand that as you learn and grow in your faith, as you learn more about God, that you must also learn to love more. That you cannot replace the law for his love. You need to grow in your love for God in the same way of your understanding of what he asks of you. Christians can be the most judgmental, saddest displays of the heart of the Lord. I have met so many people that have said, man, I've been a Christian for 30 years. That's awesome, man. Really, really awesome. Yeah, stop wearing that hat, boy. Like, what? <laughs> like, When the only thing I've gleaned from your ministry and you've walked with the Lord for 30 years is to take off my hat? Is to not say that word that I just said? And instead, you haven't taught me how to love deeper. Could you imagine walking with the King of Kings for 30 years and not having your heart beat so closely like his that it's inspiring, that it's motivating? 
at the end of my days, when I am 149 years old and I am on my deathbed before 150, I want people to be able to say that he walked with the Lord. I want people to say that his heartbeat beated of love, that I could see compassion and mercy and grace, and it folded from him, that it spewed from him. No one remembers you because you held up the idea that, man, you need to get rest on the Sabbath rather than bring a healing to someone. They remember you for doing the great and unimaginable crazy acts of love that God's poured out on you. That's what people will remember. They will remember the Christ in you. They will remember when you were moved and you did things that were incredibly love-filled even when they didn't deserve it. That yes, even though someone might deserve punishment, even though someone might deserve justice because they wronged you, when you understand that when you move in the acts of compassion against that person, it speaks volumes. It changes lives. On my tombstone may it be said he was known by his love he was known by his love don't be the asterisk don't be the asterisk guy not when it comes to the things of the Lord Do not let the knowledge you gain as you grow in your faith be the roadblock that deters you from the love of God flowing through you and in you. Don't be the asterisk guy. If your rules are diluting your ability to love, you've already lost. Because the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, people matter. It's just true. People matter. I pray that the Lord's moved you today. Move you to being better, to being more like Him. And the truth is, I understand that it can be hard to move without a standard exactly of what I should do every, like it's difficult. It, it takes more work. But I challenge you, live your life by the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Allow Jesus to continue to move in you, to change you, to become more like him. And as always friends, if no one's told you they love you today, I love you my whole heart. We'll see you soon. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Powerful, powerful message from Pastor um, Daylight. Honestly, guys, let's be known by our love. What, what a powerful message. I mean, if you're blessed, give me some amens in the chat. If you're blessed by the message today, a powerful message. I want to celebrate with you. If you're here for your first for, for the first time, you say, man, I want to know more about this church. I want to know about what, what God has for me. That, that message just spoke to me. You know, that, that's the Holy Spirit at work right there. If you want to know more, you type in SPH Point Connect. Fill that form out with as much information as you feel comfortable. We love to connect with you. We love, we, we love to do life with you. We love to game with you. If, you. if you're a gamer, 
you know um this is a church for gamers but you don't have to be a gamer to belong here so guys th thank you so much man that was a powerful powerful message wasn't it amen amens in the chat i saw the amens magic guinea pig the sunny money uh, garrett yo garrett 198 god bless you bro at this time i want to um make mention too if, if if you consider this your home church and we want to continue to thank you for your generosity at this time we're going to take up the, uh, an offering and second corinthians 9 6 says remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously i already believe I'm, I'm thankful for all the ones that are generous and say you know what i call god squad church my home and i, I and i want to continue to give to, to to the mission here to what god's doing to, to um, um here on twitch and, I, and with the church through the discord through so many lives that are touched you know um we know that everything we have everything that we've been given is a gift from god and let's let, let, let us be generous with what he's given us because he's been generous with us us amen i really count a, a blessing for many of us we, we, we've been we've been blessed and so let's be generous like that scripture says it says in verse 7 of second corinthians 9 it says each should give what they have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver I just want to thank you once again. If, if you're here today, say, I want to give, you can type in exclamation point, give in chat. You can also go to the links below the, the stream here, one of the panels and click there and give through PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com and you can give through there. Or if you reside in the USA, you can text any amount to 84321 and you can give that way. But guys, once again, thank you for your generosity. Thank you. You make all this possible by, by your generosity and your giving that we can continue to be here on Twitch, continue to minister, continue to let people know the good news in Jesus Christ.